The NBA season is heating up and Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon have got you covered on The Mismatch. They discuss all the news, the trends, and transactions happening around the league. They also offer their on-court analysis and occasionally get into heated debates. Check out The Mismatch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I'm joined by my co-host, Danny Kelly. What's up, DK? What's happening, man? How you doing? What's up, man? You may know us from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which we record every Wednesday during the offseason. But now we are also coming to you every Friday until the draft here on the Ringer NFL Show for the big board. We are ranking something involving the draft every Friday. (laughs) And this week, it's going to be something. We're obsessed with ranking stuff. We love ranking things. We love Fridays. It's like the two best things there is. So this week, we are ranking the best receiver draft picks of the last 10 years. And let's just get this out of the way. Best doesn't mean best players. Like Julio Jones went like top 10. That doesn't count. It's like the best value. We're talking about Michael Thomas in the second round, Devontae Adams in the second round. Like that's what we mean when we say best picks. So we're going to rank the most valuable receiver picks. We're going to talk about just generally, why do so many good players fall outside the first and second round for receivers? And then we're going to see if we can take those lessons from the past and apply it to this year's receiver group. It's a really deep pool. And we're going to see if we can find this year's Michael Thomas or this year's Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. How's that sound, DK? That sounds amazing. And I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see your list because we made our list separately. We haven't seen each other's lists. So I think there's going to be some pretty big differences, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, there better be differences. Because if not, <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be pretty boring. Probably going to be bad content. Terrible but, uh, content. Yeah, let's okay. try. Let's see. So let's just dive in. We're going to start with just number one. So right off the bat, last 10 years... Who's the best receiver draft pick last 10 years? We're counting for value. Who you got number one? My number one is Devontae Adams. This is, I think it was actually kind of a difficult decision. There's three guys here that I could have put at number one. Um, but I put Devontae Adams. He was the 53rd overall pick in his class in the class. He was the a second rounder. He was the ninth receiver off the board that year, which is kind of crazy. The, the class was absolutely absurdly good. Here's the guys that went in front of him in this class. And, and you know, with a lot of these guys, you can't really blame the teams for picking them. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Kelvin Benjamin, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, and Paul Richardson were all taken before Devontae Adams that season. Um, but Adams, in my mind, has gone on to be maybe the best receiver in the game right now as, as we, you know, go into 2021. Um, led the NFL in yards per game and total touchdowns this last, pe- this last season. He's a touchdown maker, so he hasn't like racked up tons and tons of a thousand yard seasons. In fact, he only has two one thousand yard seasons, which I was very surprised to look to like read when I was going through his stats. Um, but he has four seasons with ten plus touchdowns, so he's just a stud touchdown maker. Um, and I thought that was important. Four Pro Bowls, one first team All Pro. Uh, he has sixty five hundred plus yards and sixty two touchdowns in his career. So. Um, all things together, despite the fact that maybe he hasn't racked up the 100-plus catch, 1,000-yard uh, seasons that some of these other guys have done, I think his touchdown scoring ability and just overall route running it makes him the number one pick on this on this list. And the fact that he was the ninth receiver taken in his class. Yeah, I have Devontae, too, for that reason. It's, it, okay. it's crazy. He was the Sweet. ninth receiver taken. Well, he has 58 touchdowns in the last five years. No one else even has 48. And he's sitting there with 58. It's unbelievable. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. And so yeah, a lot of times touchdowns can be random. It's like you can pop off for 12 touchdowns one year and get three the following year. But with Devontae, it's not like that at all. Him and Rodgers just have this connection. And it's just unbelievable to think, again, ninth receiver taken in the draft. I can't get over that. Okay, so that's number one. 
I'm yep. gonna come back here with number two. I feel like we're on the okay. same page here. At least I, I feel like we have the same top three. These couple, these my, first few are probably yeah, pretty similar. So my second, I got Michael Thomas, who's also second rounder. He's 2016. He has since 2016 when he entered the league, he has the most catches in the NFL. And we're talking, he there was the go. sixth receiver taken in that draft. You got Michael Thomas second. I do, and for the same reasons, I actually. Michael Thomas is one of those guys. It feels like he's been in the league for longer than he has been. He's been in the season. He's been in the NFL for five seasons, four of his seasons, and the only four seasons where he was healthy. So his first four seasons, he has he had one thousand yard seasons in each of those seasons. He had thirty two touchdowns in those uh, seasons combined. He's led the NFL in catches twice, uh, three Pro Bowls, two first team All Pros, and he was the sixth receiver taken in his class. He was the forty seventh overall pick in the second round. Um, he is, if it's not Adams, I think Thomas is the, the best receiver in the NFL. I think those two guys kind of like maybe switch off once he's healthy next year, maybe we'll remember how good he is. And obviously That's, he's going to, you know, it's going to need some good quarterback play. The Drew Brees thing is also a big factor here, but, um, yeah, I mean, the guy is just, the production is absurd. So I was putting Tom Devonte over Thomas. Is that re- is that recency bias? Or are we just like, well, Michael Thomas got hurt and Drew Brees was hurt. So like, uh, whatever, we just forget Michael Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, that's it. it. Is okay, recency. yeah, I guess that is. All right. <laughs> I think it is recency bias. <laughs> that's all it is. Well, the, other, right. the, the other thing that you have to kind of, it's stylistically, they're a little different. I think, you know, Adams is like a jump ball winner. You know, he's uh, really, really technical in terms of his ability to run routes and get guys turned around and all that. Thomas is like uh, a little bit different style, I'd say. You know, he's very good. People like, make fun of him for being the slant boy or whatever, but the dude is absolutely unstoppable on slants. Like, it's not bad to be incredibly good, you know, at a certain thing. Like, that's his top skill. But he's also very, very good route runner, very precise, incredible hands, huge catch radius. Um, You know, maybe not quite as physical as Adams, but I don't know. It's just, it's pick your flavor. Like, which type of player do you like more? I guess, like, people could have differing opinions on this, but I think production-wise, these two guys kind of stand out. Yeah, so... thing that I think stands out about Devante is his release off the line of scrimmage. Like those first two or three, four steps that a receiver takes is yep. everything. Yep. And Sean McVay, when the Rams played the Packers in the playoffs, he compared Devante Adams' release to Allen Iverson's crossover. thought that was a really cool comparison, but also very apt for mm. the level yeah. his footwork is at. Okay. Who's you got third on this list? You got Adams first, Thomas second. I think I know who's your third guy. This one's tough because... I was leaning one way, then I went the other way. I went with Stefan Diggs, and this might be a little bit of recency bias, but um, in the NFL today, Stefan Diggs does give Adams and Thomas, I think, a run for their money as the best all-around receiver. You know, he he is coming off his best season. He led the NFL in catches and yards last season. He's an elite route runner, like known for his footwork, known for his ability to create separation. Um, he has three straight 1,000-yard seasons. You mentioned the last five years. I looked at the last four seasons. He's eighth in the NFL in touchdowns in the last four seasons. He has 31 touchdowns. Um, I think he's only going to keep getting better. And the other thing that's just kind of separated him a little bit from my number four guy was he was the 20th receiver taken in his class. 20th. (laughs) Which is just kind of mind-boggling. 146th overall. Um, So, like, if we're talking about value, this guy is potentially, you know, depending on who you ask, arguably the best receiver in the NFL right now. And he was the, he was a fifth rounder. So, um, he kind of, that's why he kind of got the edge for me here at number three. I have digs at three too. Look at us. We were just doing this. Look at wow. us on the same page for once. So yeah, I'm I mean, surprised. again, 20th receiver taken. It led the NFL in yards. They just, that's unbelievable. The only reason I didn't put him first is Adams and Thomas, even though they were like three rounds earlier than digs. I thought that the consistency they've shown over years, but still yeah. Diggs has been pretty good. So, okay. Absolutely. Fourth. We got it four. Yeah. I'm wondering if we split here, if it's the same. I have Keenan Allen as the fourth one here. <laughs> okay. Same here. Do you? Shit. Oh, my God. What the- <laughs> We're going to take a fork good. in the it's road like, at some point, I believe. This is like two-factor we'll authentication. Like, it's this is actually good. <laughs> so, Keenan Allen, this one, I, I, I'm shocked, actually, how late he fell. He was a third-round pick, pick 76. He was, like, the seventh mm-hmm. receiver taken in that draft. People thought Obviously, he was Keenan slow. Allen, yeah. Well, he was kind of slow, but I mean, he, yeah, he had four straight thousand yard seasons. He had nine hundred ninety two this year. I'm counting. it. I don't care. That's a thousand yards. You're rounding up. It's nine point right. nine. It's just really impressive. And I think that he had this label as like injury prone, very like mm-hmm. in the early in his career. Also, he's been in the league a long time. 
him and Michael Thomas are like the same age. He's like nine months older or whatever than Michael Thomas. And he's been in the NFL like three more years. So you got a, he's already <laughs> had like weird. a full career. Yeah. But you have Allen at four as well. Yes, I have Allen at four. Um, I thought about putting him at three. I like Allen a lot. I think he's, again, sa- same sort of deal as um, maybe the Devontae Adams thing. Is He's so good off the line. His footwork is so incredible. His route running. There's, you know, his his highlight reel of just, you know, getting like sniping guys, like getting them to break their ankles or whatever, fall down. Like when he cuts, you know, cuts in the short area. He's so, so good. Like you said, he struggled with injuries kind of early in his career, but he's ditched that. I mean, that's just not really a factor anymore. Um, he has 403 catches in the last four seasons, which is third among all players behind only Dondre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. 4,880 yards in the last four seasons. That's six most. And I guess the only spot where he doesn't quite stand out as much as other guys is a touchdown. It's almost like a little bit of a Julio Jones thing. He has 26 touchdowns in the last four seasons. And those are like the last four seasons he's been healthy, um, which is 12th among receivers. So, um, you know, I think overall size, route running, um, you know, just competitiveness with the ball in the air, all that stuff. Keenan Allen, elite receiver elite production other than maybe like the touchdown area, which, you know, is very sort of a random stat. Question for you. How famous would yeah. Keenan Allen be if he played for the Cowboys? <laughs> yeah, that's a That is a really great question. I would say it would be better, but at the same time, like we had this discussion on the, on the fantasy show the other day. Like why are people so down on Amari Cooper? He's a cowboy. That's a good point, actually. That's actually a good point. <laughs> well, I'm saying Keenan Allen is out here. He's having thousand yard seasons. He's good. He's got like the ball with the big beard look. It's like intimidating. Like he's yeah. playing for the Chargers, though. Like, should he? He just feels like he should be more famous considering like how good he's been. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. Like, Chargers are sort of one of those forgotten teams that, you know, they moved around. Um, their fan base is not as established the long term and all that. Like, it's just they're they're that team. So. Um, yeah, they de- I definitely get like forgotten a little bit, but he's an awesome receiver. All right. R.I.P. Keenan. All right. Hopefully okay, we so- ho- hopefully we we diverge here. I'm not sure. Yeah, we now. better. Like, okay. Get so a little worried. our top four unanimous is we got Devontae at one, Michael Thomas two, Stefan Diggs three, Keenan Allen four. Who's your five? I've got T.Y. Hilton. Are you? I have T.Y. Hilton. Are you kidding me? Damn it. <laughs> You're the same list. <laughs> we really didn't talk about. All right. This, what, so- just read the T.Y. Hilton thing. God damn it. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton. He, he was a third-round pick, 92nd overall. He was the 13th receiver taken in his class. And all he's done, and by the way, he was really good as a rookie. Like, he hit the ground running. He has five 1,000-yard seasons, four Pro Bowls, 50 touchdowns, almost, he has 9,300 yards in his career, almost almost 10,000. So, um, I don't know. He might hit it if he keeps playing for a year or two more, um, which would be a, a nice sort of, you know, round number. From his heyday. So like in in Hilton's heyday, I, I would say he's a little bit like in the twilight-er of his career. <laughs> he's not like in his prime anymore. But um, from 2013 to 2018, a five-year period, he ranked fourth among all players in receiving yards, uh, which is, I think like, I don't feel like he's ever gotten quite the notoriety no. that he deserves. You know what I mean? Fourth I completely in a five-year period. Five-year period. That's like a long time. Half a freaking decade. Um, he was fourth in yards. He was eighth in receptions. And he had 33 touchdowns, which is the same number of touchdowns as Julio had in that same stretch, Julio Jones. So um, the guy's a baller. He's just been underrated. I mean, went to school in, what, Florida International or whatever? I mean, yeah, he was he was definitely under the radar that year. I remember kind of like hearing some things about him, but it wasn't like, you know, he was definitely not a big name. I don't, I forgot he led the league in receiving in 2016 because I don't know if there's ever been a point in time where you're like, oh, who's your top five receivers? And someone was like, T.Y. Hilton, top five. But he has yeah. just been consistent. He's also a free agent right now. Do you think he still has juice? Or like, because he's older, he's a speed guy at 32, but like, Phil yeah. Rivers isn't going to take advantage of a speed guy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's done in the league. I don't think he's necessarily going to come back and, and be a thousand yard receiver. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to like sell him short, but. Um, that might not be in the cards. I think he can come back sort of like in the Emmanuel Sanders realm of like a good veteran guy who can make big plays for you, if that makes any sense. Um, so I could see him still playing a couple of years, but he, he's definitely, you know, on the downside of his career at this point. OK, I'm starting to get the feeling where we have this. We, we have, might have this just the same <laughs> list, period. I we think really I know, did I, not I got, do this together. We did not. No, this is crazy. All right. I think you got the same one next, too, because. 
Yep. The next one I have is Alan Robinson. Do you have Alan Robinson? God damn it. This yep. is unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe it's not that hard of an exercise. But <laughs> Alan Robinson, he was yeah. the second round pick 2014, that crazy 2014 draft. He actually went after Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams was the ninth receiver in that draft. And then Alan Robinson went yeah. 11th. But yeah, Alan Robinson, I mean, he's a free agent. So I feel like, well, he got franchise tagged by the Bears. I feel like there's been a yeah. lot of Alan Robinson talk lately. People get it. He's really good. <laughs> yeah, so I had... I had Robinson sixth also. He was the, like you said, the 11th, 11th receiver taken. He has three 1,000-yard seasons on his on his uh, resume. He led the NFL in receiving touchdowns in 2015 with 14. Um, he had two straight 1,000-yard seasons with Mitchell Trubisky. Like, that's really all you need to say, I think, is is the fact that he went over 1,000 yards twice with, with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. And basically, yeah, like the thing that you have to take into account here is Robinson's list of quarterbacks in his career is atrocious. And, you know, a lot of these guys, we have Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas in the top two, very connected to the fact that they're playing with Aaron Rodgers and, and Drew Brees, you know, for a big part of their career. So, and Keenan Allen has this mind meld connection with Phil Rivers. Now he's got Herbert. So quarterback obviously matters a bit, uh, uh, you know, big time. And so, you know, I think Allen... We, you know, we, we kind of make the joke like he might be the best receiver in the NFL. And we just don't know it because he's been playing with terrible quarterbacks his whole career. So um, I definitely had him there. I'm afraid of what you have at number seven. I Yeah, I was going to say, who do, you, who do you have at seven? This is the pivot. I got point. Hopkins. Oh, OK, OK. I don't have DeAndre Hopkins there. OK, cool. I thought I was going to have Hopkins lower than you. And, and the reason I have Hopkins this low and, and he is among the like the top tier like he's definitely in the top tier of receivers he might be the best receiver in the nfl um the only reason i don't have him higher is he was the second receiver picked in his class and he yeah. was the he was a first rounder he was the 27th overall pick it's i will say though however it's crazy to think that he was the 27th pick like how did he fall to 27 yeah. you know what i mean and so i think there's a little bit of that like 26 teams passed over this guy and he has 430 catches, 5,200 yards, uh, 5,500 yards in the last four seasons. Both of those rank first. He, so in, in the last four years, he has the most catches and most yards. Five Pro Bowls, three first-team All-Pros, six 1,000-yard seasons, another one with 100, uh, 950 yards, so basically seven 1,000-yard seasons. He has 10,000-plus yards in his career, 60 touchdowns, huge hands, like just well, massive like baseball I think he told hands. your friend Mina Kimes that he used to catch flies when he was a kid. Like he literally, like Mr. Miyagi. Oh, like catch Miyagi flies. with the yeah. Except and for he his fingers and the chopsticks. Yeah. His logic was, if I can catch a fly, I can I can catch anything. And he just got really good at catching <laughs> flies. Catch a wrench. Um, <laughs> Dodge yeah. a wrench. I love the. I, by the way, I love origin stories like this where you know yeah. superstar players in any in any league. I remember hearing a story about how Steve Nash used to walk around dribbling a tennis ball at all times. You know, like just wherever he went, like in college and high school and stuff, and yeah. like that's why he had such good handles and stuff. Like those are the those are the types of stories. Didn't Pete Maravich have to like dribble a basketball, like you follow out of a car. car or something? And then, <laughs> yeah. Also, Odell Beckham in high school would like you're like, oh, how does Odell catch the football with like three fingers? Well, in high school, he would just sit there all day with rubber bands and just flex the rubber band just as like strong like, hands instead of a fidget oh, wow. spinner. He's just flexing his finger muscles since he was like twelve. I love that. Stuff. Anyway, it's not an accident. That's that's the point. It's like when, when DeAndre Hopkins just when goes I was up and grabs up. a football from sixty yards away from Kyler Murray. It's like it's not <laughs> like just luck. It's like he's been working at it his whole life. Hi, Fitz. What are our origin stories as podcasters? When I was little, I used to listen to talk the radio. Oh, that's quite. I used not to just talk, good. and then they started recording <laughs> it. Now I'm you know what? I think you're you're good because you have brothers. I think that's a big part of this, and you're and I've talked to your dad. Your dad is a good conversationalist, but that way. So you guys, you guys have lots of arguments in your family. I'm willing to guess. Yeah, yeah, you could argue that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so. so who do you have at seven then? If you don't have uh, Hopkins, I have AJ Brown because he was like the 53rd. Ooh, pick. I like this. And AJ like Brown this. with the Titans. AJ, so he has two thousand yard seasons in two seasons. AJ Brown was told after week two that he was had a season ending injury, and he was like, "Nope." I'm going to keep playing. And they did thousands, like 1,100 <laughs> yards this year. Did you see the Instagram yeah. live that he went on when he was like doped up at the hospital after the surgery? And he was like still on I the anesthesia. <laughs> he was like pretty <laughs> messed up. And he's like talking to the uh, surgeon and he's like explaining that like, yeah, we had a tube down your throat. He's like, what? 
And then he like the, the doctor walks out. And he's like, yeah, they told me after week two I was out for the season. And I was like, nope, I'm going to keep playing. <laughs> I was going to say, he's like happy Gilmore when he gets hit by a car. He's like, we're going to have to take you to the hospital. He's like, hell no, I'm going to play. He's like, what would I know? I'm just a doctor. <laughs> he's just exactly like, going to go play anyway. Yeah, I think AJ Brown's up. Uh, anyway. So I this is great because... I did not include AJ Brown in my rankings only because he's been in the league twice, two years now. And I would have had him pretty high if I would have thought. So like I basically like separated AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, spoiler alert, because I put DK Metcalf after him. So it's the same thing. I have DK after AJ Brown and I didn't have Hopkins because he was a first rounder and it felt redundant. And there's there's this is like, yeah, it's like a little bit of an arbitrary, arbitrary cutoff, but like two years in the league, maybe just like, I just didn't include them. I would put them as honorable mentions. I think they're going to get there. And and probably if we have this conversation at this time next year, they're like top five or whatever, but I just left them off. That's good. Cause now we have some differences. Um, I got at number eight, I have Jarvis Landry, which I think is a little bit controversial because I left Jarvis off. This, Cause he's boring. Honestly, he's good and he probably right. deserves the respect, but like no one's favorite receiver is Jarvis Landry. He catches a lot of passes. He caught all the passes in Miami. It's like catches. Yeah. You know, I, for the people listening to the fantasy football show, they know that I don't, I think catches are a dumb stat. It's like yards <laughs> are the point of football. Yeah. It's like catches are like carries. Like that's the point of the job. Like you're supposed to get yards. And Jarvis is just, I don't know. He's not that exciting to me. So I yeah. left him off. This is, yeah. So this is exactly, and I even wrote this down. I, I put, in my notes, people give him shit because he's sort of the poster child for PPR. And when I say people give him shit, I was just thinking of you, Heifetz. Um, yeah, I give him shit. He. So anyways, but regardless, he was a second round pick, 63rd overall. He was the 13th receiver taken in his class, and he's produced three 1,000-yard seasons. 72 catches is his career low so far. He has 80-plus <laughs> right, catches. <laughs> 80 that plus catches lot. in six of his seven seasons. He's gone over 100 catches twice, five Pro Bowls. He has 7,000 yards in his career already, 35 touchdowns. That's pretty damn good. Like the guy is good. He's a baller. I just think he's underrated because he, he earned this reputation as like a check down guy in his first couple of seasons in, in Miami. And then he's just never going to outlive that. You know what I mean? He might, he might still have that role, but I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. Yeah, I just it's boring. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I just, I'm just he's not yeah, exciting. Yeah. It's just here's the problem. If I'm like, what's the most exciting play I've ever seen Jarvis Landry pl- make? I think the first two are just both throws. Like he's a better quarterback. He's a more exciting quarterback yeah, than he's a receiver. He's a lefty, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, throw he's a lefty, lefty, and he rolls out and he like throws to Odell, and I'm like, yeah, there we go, Jarvis, lefty. Okay, my next one, I, I got I got DK Metcalf back to back with AJ Brown, just the old Miss like duo. It. DK Metcalf yep. is like the poster boy for this whole exercise, right? Like. Just this chiseled guy coming out of Ole Miss, actually like a known commodity. And like there were reasons he fell, like he had a broken neck, not just related to like he was Derek Zoolander and like couldn't turn like he was a battleship. (laughs) But right at the end of the day, he's really freaking good. He's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it's just like Jarvis Landry's best plays are like throws. DK Metcalf's, I do think his career highlight will be the rundown of Buda Baker. But regardless, (laughs) like every team wishes they had DK Metcalf. Every team had the opportunity to get DK Metcalf. I think every team's upset they don't. So, so he was the ninth receiver taken in that class. That's unreal. That's, That's unbelievable. Kind of, and again, yeah. the Eagles once again the theme through the thread through all this is the Eagles whiffing on all these guys. Like they could they could have had DK. They took <laughs> JJ Ortega Whiteside like two picks before DK Metcalf for like you know a big yep. body in the red zone and they ignored DK Metcalf. Okay, yep. and the nine I got Chris Godwin, who's very good at football. Ooh, I like this. I like this. This is not who I have. So give me pitch me on this. I mean, he's on, he's unreal. Like, he's just, I think he's, you could argue he's like, I don't know. Is he the best number two receiver in football? I don't know. But like, it's in the conversation. Like, he's unreal. He's not probably better than skills Mike Evans. Wise. But yeah, skills wise, he's great. He's very refined route. And he's also young. He's like, I don't know. He's 24, 25. He's already accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. Never mind the Super Bowl. And then I just think every team in the NFL needs a Chris Godwin. And also like off the field, like as a personality, like just beloved, like, like just very like yeah. all Robert Mays wrote for The Athletic, like, there's just, people don't really talk about players, like, they talk about Chris Godwin at such a young age, like, a lot of leadership material, just very humble guy. Mm. So, whole package. I tweeted this the other day, or not the other day, like, during the playoffs at some point. He ha- He's such an interesting player. He could honestly be, like, a running back and do pretty well. He'd be, like, a weirdly bodied running back, but he's so physical, so explosive. 
Um, I just really like him too, man. He's like physic physically speaking, he's a special run. He's a special receiver. I he's he kind of fit into the same category for me as AJ Brown and, and DK Metcalf, and just he hasn't done it long enough to to warrant being on this list. I I, I think I tilted. And you'll see this with my next pick. You're not going to like this next one, but I tilted experience, consistency, and like length of doing it over. Yeah, that's fair. Excitement. You know what I mean? Like exciting players. Like I love AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. If I hadn't excluded them by that little technicality, they would have been much higher. But I went with Marvin Jones because you're right. I don't like. I mean, I you're looking, right. he's been in the league a I, long time. Fine, whatever. Let me let me pitch this to you because I was actually a little <sighs> surprised I went with this too. But when you look at his stats, it's kind of surprising how well he's played in the last, like in his entire career. So he was a fifth round pick. He was 166th overall, the 23rd receiver taken in his class. Yet he's had a really good career. He has three 900 plus yard. Uh, seasons. He only has one 1,000 plus yard seasons, but three over 900. And he has four seasons with nine plus touchdowns. So not not like the great round numbers necessarily, but co- a consistent producer. And uh, overall, over the last four years, he's just like kind of gotten better and better. This one I think will surprise you, Hypids. In the last four seasons, Marvin Jones ranks seventh among all pass catchers and touchdowns. 32. <laughs> what? Okay, I didn't know that. That's 32, crazy. 32 touchdowns. The only guys he's behind in that category, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, and Adam Thielen. And by the way, speaking of Tyree Kill, I think we just have to kind of acknowledge that we're, we excluded him because he fell in the draft for a very good reason. And we just basically took that into account, excluded him from this exercise. Um, but the bottom line is Marvin Jones, twenty third, the 23rd receiver picked in the class. Like he's had a damn good career for that. So I'm just going with the value angle here. And I'm not saying that he's like a superstar, but he was a damn good pick and he's been a really good pro. So um, I was actually very surprised to see that 32 touchdowns the last four seasons. Okay. So who do you got? So that's ninth. Who do you got? 10th. I got Tyler Lockett, who is in the same vein as Marvin Jones, who I don't think anyone would ever consider him like an elite number one receiver, but he's quietly been a consistent producer year over year over year. He has, this one is kind of shocked me too. He has as many 1,000 yard and 10 touchdown seasons as Devontae Adams. Both he and Devontae Adams have had 1,000 yards seasons and or 10 touchdown seasons twice. Um, and again, he's not like the same vein as these other guys, but consistent production, consistently gets open, big plays. He's ninth in receiving touchdowns over the last four seasons. He has 30 touchdowns in the last four seasons. So, um, he was the 10th receiver taken in his class. He was 69th overall pick. 37 touchdowns in his career. Almost 5,000 yards in his career. I'm just, again, I think the last like four of these guys on my list are just like, man, these guys, we should talk about these guys more, I feel like. It's just one of those things where they're underrated. Good Why, picks. Seahawks fan? Very good value. No, because if I would have had, well, I would have had DK Metcalf over Lockett if I would have not like mentally excluded Lockett, or sorry, DK Metcalf from this list. Um, it has nothing to do with that fact that I'm a CX fan. I just think Lockett's good. He's he's underrated. So I think you're right. I mean, I actually had Lockett as my honorable mention at like 11, but and, yeah, and you're probably yeah. right, honestly, and I'm probably wrong to be valuing longevity in the NFL is just better because it's hard to play for a long time in the NFL. But I threw in Justin Jefferson, which is kind of bullshit mm. because he's a rookie and like he probably just shouldn't be on this list. But and he's a first rounder, <laughs> but he was which the fifth kind receiver of taken. But he was the fifth receiver taken in the draft, and he just had, like, one of the best rookie seasons ever for a receiver. Like, it's up there with Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. It's up there. I mean, he broke the records for, like, Randy Moss. That's insane. And he was the fifth receiver taken. So yep. even though he's a first rounder yep. and technically went earlier than Hopkins, I'm looking at it as he went later because Hopkins was the second receiver taken in the NFL. He had the fifth receiver taken. That blows my mind. Mm-hmm. But really with that, I kind of just want to zoom out from this exercise for a second. We just went through a lot of really good freaking players. And the thread line, the through line through all of this is these guys were like really undervalued. And like the NFL just did not properly foresee their talent. And we're not talking about one-offs here. We just made two lists of 10. We have like 15, 16 players on this list in total. We're talking about the majority of the best receivers in the NFL. And not just, I mean, we're talking about in an era of football when receiving is more important than running backs. 
these guys theoretically are some of the most important players in a football team. And the NFL just seems to be completely whiffing on this position. <laughs> so like, how is that possible? It is. Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't think they're necessarily. So I would say there's a couple of factors. And before I get into this, actually, before I answer this question, I want to say for the guys that we kind of cut off in this list, like Randall Cobb, Chris got well, you had Chris Godwin, Randall Cobb, Alshon Jeffrey, Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster, we didn't even mention, Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark. All these guys were like second, third round picks or, or later. Um, all great players. And the, and the other ones I wanted to bring up, technical omissions, they got omitted because they weren't draft picks. Adam Thielen and Doug Baldwin. They deserve Undrafted, to be thrown out. Yeah, wow. yeah. So Thielen actually yeah, deserves I mean, a spot. Totally. The, the bottom line is like the NFL, for whatever reason, in their talent evaluation, miss on a lot of receivers like they go much further down the down the rung than they probably should and there's a lot of receiver busts i feel like it's it's one of those things where you know getting being a first round pick is not necessarily like a guarantee that you're gonna be really good we've seen that time and time again now i will say there there are more receivers i feel like receivers and corners are taken in more volume than and than other positions maybe maybe you throw in like offensive linemen too and the fact that there's just like a lot of numbers, a lot of volume, you're going to have hits and misses just based on, you know, like the math of it all. And I think that over the years, we've seen receivers have a hard time transitioning from college game to the pros. In the pros, like just for an instance, just for an example, like you go from the college game where it's spread out. And this is this is sort of, you know, an older philosophy. This isn't happening quite as much. I'll get to that. But like in the older days, you go from the spread out college game to the, to the pros where you have to be in the right spot at the exact right second, at the exact right depth. And sometimes you have to make the choice like you have to do like an option route where you're reading the defense and you have to be on the exact same page as the quarterback who's also reading the defense. This is, there's no communication here. If you see a certain coverage, you have to adjust your route. And the, and the quarterback has to see the exact same coverage and adjust his throw. So it's like uh, the technical jump from being in the college game where you're just like go run down the field this is a gross over you know like oversimplification but from the college game to the pros like that technical aspect of it can be very difficult and it depends on the team you go to but now i think that the the gulf between the pro game and the college game is like shrinking there's it, there's so many different oh, there's so much overlap now and these guys are playing 7 on 7 from the time they're like 6 years old you know what i mean like they're running way more routes Development of receivers is um, improved over the years. You're getting, not to mention you have like better strength training, better um, off-season training programs, all this stuff. Like, I think we're going to continue to see really good receiving classes like year in, year out. Like there's going to be a glut of really good receivers in the NFL. Yeah, it's kind of like re receivers used to come into the league and have to drive stick shift. And now they can come in and it's <laughs> right, drive automatic. Right. And totally. maybe the ones That's who good, drive yeah, stick like shifts now, like the Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas drive stick shifts, it's probably more rewarding experience. But the bar of competency is way lower. Like it's easier to just be competent fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, more teams are acknowledging the benefits of having sort of spread looks. It's not like NFL teams are running air raids necessarily or, or like exactly the same style of, of college games. But, you know, you, coaches are, I think, a little more open now to, I guess like embracing the weaknesses of their young players and like still looking. So like DK Metcalf is a perfect example of this. When he was coming out of the, uh, of college, he was, you know, there was a whole three cone thing where he's like really slow three cone, really slow short shuttle. But the other like on tape thing was he does, he didn't have a very, you know, like established wide uh, route tree. And so he, the Seahawks, what they did was they, they basically gave him training wheels uh, early on in his career. And if you if you go back and look at some of his route tree, like route, um, like, you know, the next gen stats, like tracks guys routes, it's all like first five games. It's all just go routes up the left side. <laughs> That's like all they asked him to do. Just go do what you do, man. Like you're fast. Go beat this corner and, and whatever. And then later on, as his career progressed, uh, they started adding in things like slants and they moved him around. They moved, put him on the right side of the field. And Slowly but surely, he became like a much more complete receiver. And last year, you know, he was running like a full, not maybe not a full route tree, but like a much more diverse route tree. And so um, I think teams are becoming more 
open to that and like allowing guys kind of like do what they do best and not trying to fit a, a round peg into a square hole type of thing. So um, I think that's a big part of it too. Well, what's like the most basic Bill Walsh edict of scouting is don't tell me what someone can't do. Tell me what they can do. Yeah. And we all got yeah. ca- so caught up with DK Metcalf being chiseled like he was like like a Greek god. It was like he also is chiseled and runs like a 4-3, which is speed. That's <laughs> valuable. He has drag racer acceleration. Yeah. The other and honestly, like AJ Brown's another good example of this. I remember writing this in my report about him coming out. And, and by the way, they were teammates, which is absurd. Why are all the elite legendary teammate receivers not good in college? <laughs> like Jarvis and Odell combined for like so 1,200 receiving yards at LSU and then each individually surpassed that in the NFL. And then A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf was the same. Like they just weren't yeah, statistically I, good at Ole Miss. How is that possible? The the quarterback, the quarterback watching of that, those guys' tape was like painful. Danny, it was painful to watch their tape. Um, so how do you, but, but you're, 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 you're the ringer draft expert. You spend more time than either of us would care to admit watching all these guys. How do you scout someone like a receiver who has a bad quarterback? Like, how do you apply that to the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a challenge. And I think what I was, you know, the, what, the point I was getting to with AJ Brown is he was almost like exclusively a slot receiver at last season at Ole Miss. Um, and so there was these questions and same with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson yeah. was almost exclusively a slot receiver at LSU his final season. Now, he had run a lot of routes on the outside, um, you know, the season prior. And so, like, you could look at that and be like, okay, I think he can make this transition just fine. And in, in, in fact, he did. A.J. Brown, he's definitely not a slot receiver. Like, you wouldn't think of him as a slot receiver. But I remember writing in my report, he was a slot receiver because that was, like, what he did at Ole Miss that year. And um, I think it's, like, it's not easy to you know, project what these guys are going to be able to do. But at the same time, like, I think teams overthink it a little bit. It's like he's he ran routes out of the slot, but look at him. <laughs> like, <laughs> he can do stuff on the outside. Like, he can get off press. He's big. He's fast. He's, like, incredible after the catch. We can work with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, I think that's kind of, you know, where it gets interesting. It's like projecting guys to do things that they're not doing in the college game in the pros. And, you know, that's where it gets foggy. And that's where you got teams missing you know that's why justin jefferson was the fifth receiver taken in this class instead of the first this episode is brought to you by state farm from your morning podcast to your fantasy team we know you personalize your entire day that's why state farm helps you personalize your insurance with state farm personal price plan it offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you like a good neighbor state farm is there prices may vary by state options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary this episode is brought to you by lululemon guys if you're ready for a new pair of pants try one of lululemon's abc pants they're made to make you look and feel good and there's lots of different styles to choose from my favorite because i walk around la every day i like the joggers i'm not jogging i'm just walking fast but if you're working out i would try them out and if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Sweat. You mean armpit tears of weakness brought about by poor deodorant choices? Say goodbye to that salty river that floweth from your underarm with Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Made for 24-7 sweat protection with daily use and an undeniable smell of cedarwood and lime. Mmm. Giving you the confidence you need to quit your job, move to a remote island, and spend your days frolicking with dolphins. Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Shop Old Spice now. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. So on that note, let's look at this year's draft class because this year's draft class is supposed to be really, really good. Last year's was too. Maybe it's just this is just the future because cornerbacks are getting bad and receivers are getting good. But this year, there's like a clear top 
three, right, in terms of the receivers that yep. are probably going to be drafted. It's Jamar yep. Chase from LSU, who's, a, who's an all-star. There's Devontae Smith, who, I mean, just won the freaking Heisman. And then there's Jalen Waddell at Alabama. And then there's, like, this drop-off. Yep. And it's kind of who what you start thinking around the four, five, six, seven, eight tier is really what you think about the class. And so I'm curious. Those three guys are going to go in the first round. But I want to hear from you. Who are the guys that probably might go late first, early second, third, whatever it is, yep. that we look back yep. on the same way we just did with this list, and we're like, how the hell did these did we not draft these guys early? So <laughs> yeah, let's just you know it's skip the part you... where the first round guys are busts, and let's just get to the guys who will be good in the second round. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give you a couple guys that I think are going to be like second rounders, and then I'll give you a few that are going to be like a little bit later, potentially. Um, first off, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, I think is a very, very interesting prospect. He's big, he's tall. I actually comped him to Michael Thomas. I just think, you know, their, their skill set isn't exactly the same, but length, ability to get off the line, really quick footwork, uh, big catch radius to me, like very similar in, in, in you know, skill set. And the way they move, um, Bateman had you know a huge, huge season in 2019, playing mostly on the outside. He had 60 touch, uh, 60 receptions, 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns in 13 games. So he played on the outside and dominated. Uh, this past season was weird with COVID. He he opted out, then opted back in, and I think ended up opting out, opting out again. So he had, but he had 36 catches, 472 yards, two touchdowns in five games, and in. Their off- offense was like just not very good this year, and and so he he I think has lost a little bit of steam in terms of his hype and all that. Um, and he played mostly in the slot I think this last season instead of playing on the outside. So, but what I think we saw from like his overall tape is he's he's very versatile. He can play inside, outside, good size, uh, good after the catch. He's he's kind of a glider, but he can pick up yards after the catch. Um, ball tracking skills. There's just a lot to like about him. And I think he's going to be one of those guys where, you know, in two years, we're just going to be saying like, man, maybe we overthought this a little bit and, and he's just really good. So um, Bateman, I think, is one of my one of my favorites as like a second. Probably he'll probably end up being a second round pick. Got a well, chance well, what do first, you think but... will be overthought? Do you think it's that it's that the slot play or do you think that he only played five games because of the pandemic and that just throws scouting off? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of both. But I mean, it's like just look at his production. Look at he he did it all at a very young age. Like he he was a really young breakout age. It's something we talked about on the fantasy show, which is, you know, like early producers in offenses. If you're an 18 year old and you're going up against 20 year olds and dominating, like that's a good sign that you're going to be a really good player going forward. And that was exactly what he did. So I think people are just, you know, maybe going to look at what he did this year and and some of his little like. Get get hung up on some things that maybe like he just didn't do as well this this year, and they might miss on him. So I like Bateman. Um, another guy that could have benefited much more from like a full regular season this year was uh, Terrace Marshall from LSU, who I think he'll probably be like a second. There's like a small chance he falls to the third round, but I think probably second rounder um, from LSU. He's a former five star guy, so he was like a big time recruit, um, and in that that incredible season with Joe Burrow in 2019. He was third behind Jamar Chase, who's like sort of the consensus number one. And then Justin Jefferson, who just won, you know, he was like one of the top rookies in the NFL. Like one of the, he immediately became like an elite receiver in the NFL. Um, he was the third guy on that, on that offense. He caught 46 balls, 671 yards and 13 touchdowns, quietly 13 touchdowns in that offense. That offense had just Quiet 13. The, uh, absurd amount of offense. Um, this is just really, really good. But is that how? But how do you distinguish a player from a system that good? Like, like this doesn't it become it's, difficult it's to when there's that much talent and the scheme is that good. How do you distinguish success at the NFL level when you actually might yeah. have a worse scheme and worse surrounding teammates? I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know, you, you have to kind of take into account the fact that he was in that offense and with those players and and catching passes from Burrow. However, I, say, I will say in 2020, after Chase opted out. Marshall came back in and he was kind of the number one guy in that offense. He got 48 passes for 731 yards and 10 touchdowns in seven games. And this was without Joe Burrows, without Joe Brady. Okay, that's um, impressive. So he was still like <laughs> a dominant, like in terms of numbers, his stats were really, really good. Um, and in fact, I, I extrapolated, I don't have it in front of me, but I extrapolated his numbers over like a, a full season compared to like however many games. Like it was like 13 games or 14 games they played last season with the LSU and that championship team. Um, 
Marshall's numbers would have been like absolutely absurd, almost as good as Chase's from 2019. You know, that's extrapolating. He probably wouldn't have ended up doing it, but um, you know, he was on pace to to have a really really good season before he opted out. So, I just think he's he's an interesting player. He he reminds me a little bit of DJ Chark in the fact that he's kind of long, smooth, but from what I've heard, he would have tested really well if there would have been a combine, like, you know, 4-4 guy, good size. Um, I like his, he's got a really good catch radius. He doesn't play quite as strong as you want. And that's like Chase's game is like Jamar Chase will just beat up the the cornerback in front of him. It's like Andre Johnson almost. Um, whereas Marshall is more of a finesse player maybe, but um, I, I just like him. I think he's he's got a good, he's got a chance in, in the right system to be a big time playmaker for somebody. So second round, he reminds me a little bit like the Denzel Mims type type guy, you know, a little bit underrated, but could end up being a really good pro. And Mims, Mims, the, the jury's still out, but I, I like Mims too. Going to my number three guy. And by the way, this guy was teammates with uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, another freaking baller uh from that from that offense um he was a first team all-american this past season he averaged quietly he averaged 10.8 catches and 149 yards per game which was most in the country um he, he ended up with 86 perceptions for 1100 plus yards eight touchdowns in eight games obviously this past season was just weird it's hard to kind of like contextualize stats with you know different teams playing different uh, numbers of games and all that but um he is to me just really, really exciting player. Like twitchy, uh, versatile. You know, he can run. He he can run really quick routes. Um, make guys miss. How big is he? You're talking about him like he's small. Yeah, sorry. He's like he's like five nine, one eighty five. Okay, yeah, I can tell. No one calls big guys twitchy. <laughs> right. He reminded me of uh, stylistically uh, in terms of the football field. He reminded me of Antonio Brown. He he is. Um, you know, just like a, a a really good receiver, like a really technical route runner, extremely good hands, good at the catch point. They had him on end arounds, jet sweeps, screens, all that. Um, just makes plays. I think he's getting underrated a little bit, despite the fact that he was like one of the most prolific receivers in, in college football this past season. I think he's going to end up probably a second round, third round pick, but um, he's really, really good. And then my final sort of like well-known guy that I think could be really interesting is in the same vein of Elijah Moore, and that's Rondell Moore from Purdue, who I think he might be even smaller than Elijah Moore. At least he's like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, um, but he's a little thicker. He's He looks like, he reminds me of like Golden Tate body-wise, like kind of just a, just a gyroscope type player where, you know, extremely, extremely explosive. Like one of the most explosive athletes in this entire class I, I actually looked it up he was dunking the ball as a five foot seven high schooler if you can picture what? that uh yeah he could dunk <laughs> he's dunking at five <laughs> Which, foot seven yeah that's that's what i read uh he ran a four three three forty as a high schooler at the nike opening and recently he was filmed uh jumping 42 inches in the vert he's got saquon quads like his quads this he's just a ball of explosiveness this guy um, and the reason he's not getting more hype, it was like a, you know, first rounder, he might be a first round. I suppose any of these guys could be, but the reason he's not getting as much hype lately is he's, he basically hasn't played a full season since 2018 when he was a true freshman. He came in as a four-star recruit to Purdue, won first team All-American honors, uh, caught 114 passes for almost 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns as a freshman, as an 18 year old freshman. <laughs> so... I mean, the guy was just absolutely absurdly good in 2018, but then he had injuries and missed a bunch of games the last two seasons. Obviously, this last season was COVID-affected, and there was sort of this mysterious injury for part of the season. It ended up being like a hamstring thing, and I don't know. It's just weird. Um, my comp for him is actually Nate Robinson, you know, the basketball player. <laughs> just, just like, imagine just a ball of muscle. Like, he's just... He's so explosive. I think that's kind of the deal. And so, I don't know, you know, you have to kind of fit him into the right scheme, I think, in order for him to be a star. But if, if you get him with a coach that is willing to scheme him up in, in space, um, get him touches, I do think he's actually a dangerous downfield receiver, too. He had some good, like, deep passes or deep deep catches in college. But, um, you know, he was definitely used on a lot of screens, end arounds, things like that. Get him the ball. 
Debo Samuel-esque a little bit, but I think he's way more explosive and he's smaller. So I don't know how to, you know, the comps are always tough. He's like Golden Tate slash Nate Robinson. So, I mean, you mentioned he had almost 1,300 yards as a true freshman? Yeah. I mean, like 18 years old just comes in, comes in and, and is dominant. See, that's rare. That, like, doesn't happen. But on the flip Absolutely. side, I'm very scary. It's scary to hear five foot seven or no. How tall is he? Five nine or five seven? He's like in that range, five eight. It's scary to hear that. He and like he's already having injuries, though. That's the one concern. He's listed at five nine, one eighty. Um, Elijah Moore, five nine, one eighty five. So, but I don't know. We'll get their official measurements like as the, the pro days happen and whatnot. But in that area, he's short, he's tiny. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be bad. I mean, there's been a lot of really explosive, good players that are that size. It's just, um, yeah, the health thing is more of a worrisome thing. And, um, you know, is the is the hamstring issue going to be a long-term thing uh, is the question. I got two guys to finish out that I want to talk about that are sort of like getting a little less shine uh, right now but could end up being good players. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of these guys kind of fit into the same category, like Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. Um, I'm going to give you two more. Amari Rogers from Clemson, who just had his pro day on Thursday. Wait, what's the category? Is, you said they fit in the same category. What's the category? Sorry, like undersized, juiced up, explosive guys. Not juiced up. Guys with juice. Not, I'm not saying they're <laughs> guys on, with on Huge PEDs. difference. <laughs> huge guys, difference. Not, not, on P, not on PEDs. I'm saying they got a lot of juice. Um, Amari Rogers from Clemson, I think, is very interesting. Former four-star recruit from Knoxville. In fact, he was the Mr. Football in Tennessee twice in his high school career. I don't know how many guys end up being the Mr. Football of their state twice, but this guy was. Um, his dad, former NFL player T. Martin, who is now a coach. In, I think he, he's still at USCA. He may be moved now, but um, when they when he was coming out of high school, Rogers initially you know, went. To, he was going to go to USC, and then he, he switched to Clemson at the last minute. Anyways, got to play with Trevor Lawrence for four seasons. He was a, he was a four-year contributor. Um, he broke out this last season uh, with, you know, T. Higgins was gone, Justin Ross injured. So he was kind of like one of their go-to guys. 77 catches, 1,020 yards, seven touchdowns. He, to me, is, is a, a good Debo comp. Like, the way he's built, is, like, he's Samuel. physical. Yes, Debo Samuel, like he looks like a running back. In fact, he was doing running back drills at his pro day on Thursday. And so I think, he, you know, he's, he has a chance to go into the league and be like a useful player. For, um, I saw Mike Renner from PFF comped him to Ty Montgomery. And I've been like a long time proponent that Ty Montgomery should get more touches. Like when he was with the Packers and he came into the league as a receiver, number 88, and then he ended up just being a running running back for them and was like actually really good at it. A uh, good returner, kind of in the same vein as those two guys, like uh, Debo Samuel slash Ty Montgomery. I just think he's a lot of fun. He's he's going to probably be like a third or fourth round pick, but um, he could come in and be a pretty productive guy. And then finally, oh, the other thing I actually wanted to mention about Mario Rogers, he might be Wolverine. He suffered a torn ACL. <laughs> it's called burying the lead. There's a Wolverine on this list. Do you have him fifth? He. He he has healing factor or whatever you call it. He he had an ACL tear. Adamantium in spring is what it's called in spring football. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm saying he could heal really fast. And then he was playing five months later, like six months later. It's insane. So that would be a hell of a release. Like We're talking different. about Devonte Adams having like the AI crossover. But if you could just like split, like just get four knives out of your hand and just like that would really be effective at creating separation. <laughs> Jesus, he's popping a lot of balls, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, <laughs> So that my final guy, that was a dad joke. Sorry, I know. I apologize. No, no, you're uh, okay, a dad. Final Don't guy. apologize for being a father. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I make dad jokes. I don't even have kids yet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So anyways, my final guy, Tutu Atwell from Louisville, who I think is, you know, he he's he's a tough one because in some on one hand, I could see him like come in and not really establish himself as a big time player, but he has the speed to, I think, really sort of outplay where he's going to go. In fact, I don't really know where he's going to go. It's like this is a weird season where you don't have the normal pre-draft stuff, and so it's hard to get a, a grasp really where a guy's going to go. I'm guessing right now he'll be a third-rounder, but I did actually see Daniel Jeremiah had him in a first-round mock draft, so he could go earlier than I think people are thinking. Regardless, um, the dude is just you know super, super fast, like 4-2 speed, 
Um, I saw this, uh, in, in fact, from Bruce Feldman. He does the freaks list every year at the athletic Atwell is five, nine and Feldman has him listed at 180 or 190 pounds. I've seen other places listed him at like 165. So he's like Marquise Brown size, you know, very, very skinny essentially, but extremely fast four two and extremely uh, four two. No one runs a four two, like four, four, two, four, sorry, four, two, six. So like, okay, you know, lower four twos uh, and then very, very quick. The other thing is per Feldman, he can squat triple his body weight and bench press double his body weight. So the dude is just I mean, so can I country strong. Oh, you can, huh? Yes. <laughs> it's like I it's like I'm not going to so. a pro day, though, so you can't check that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, check my math. Yeah, prove it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, he like I in my little notes here, I'm like he's Ducati like acceleration. The dude just gets up to top speed immediately. Um, Wait, Ducati you or can use him. Ducati. What are your car rankings for acceleration? I don't know. I'm talking about motorcycles. Isn't Ducati a motorcycle? Is Ducati? I'm terrible. Oh, wow. That makes sense. I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> I was confused. Okay. I'm glad I clarified. Wait. Now I'm like, now I'm self-doubting. Wait, do motorcycles Ducati. accelerate faster than like the really fast cars? I would think so since they're much lighter. Yeah, Ducati. What's a Bugatti? Is that a car? Bugatti's a car. That's this what is, we've been trying to win for is, like the whole year on our pod, the fantasy football show. Oh, yeah. It's like no, a $3 think, million dollar car. I mean, hell. I'm going to be honest, not a car guy, not a motorcycle guy. I'm going to guess Ducatis have better acceleration than Bugattis, but maybe maybe someone can tell us. Um, regardless. Yeah, he's really fast, fast the is, is he's my point. <laughs> the idea. Like rare, rare speed. So I think that's what makes it really interesting. You know, he's very balanced, uh, very quick in addition to being fast. And honestly, he had really he's had really good production. Um as a true freshman, he caught 24 passes, 406 yards. And then in 2019, his best season, he caught 69 passes for 1,272 yards, 11 touchdowns for Louisville in 13 games. Um, so, again, like we talked about earlier, like good breakout, early breakout, um, you know, very good production in terms of his target share and all that. You know, analytically speaking, he's pretty strong. The only factor is he's like maybe 165, maybe 175 pounds. And so that is going to be a big worry for a lot of people and a lot of teams. The question is, is he going to be... As my grandmother would say, you know, skin and bones. Yeah. The the scouting term, which I don't know if it's like, it's it's kind of a dumb term, but it's like tight-skinned. It's like you don't have room to put on much <laughs> like <skinned>. weight. <laughs> you don't have room to put on much weight. It's basically the Scouts idea. Scouts have and weird phrases. Think, oh, there's a lot of really weird ones. Um, but... Yeah, so he the question I guess is in the pros is he gonna be like a Deshaun Jackson, like a really good game breaking type guy, or more like Tavon Austin, where super exciting college player just did not translate to the pros. So I guess that's kind of the question. He's more of a boomer bust type guy, but I think his speed alone is, is gonna be very interesting to watch where he lands. So do you see a trend here of I mean, you pick these guys and it seems that the guys you're isolating as guys who we could look back on and wonder how they fell through the cracks. The thing you seem to be identifying here is basically size. Yeah, I guess that that is the theme. Yeah. And that's the thing. It might just and look, this draft class is different because like it's hard to hold like this 10 year trend against one class. At the end of the day, your job's to value this one class and you know you never know how it holds up. But I'm curious is the the lit between the receivers that we identified earlier and this class, I'm wondering if there's any trend of just what the NFL's missing. Is it size? Is it speed? Is it just smaller schools? Like, you know, Devontae Adams went to Fresno State. T.Y. Hilton's at Florida International. Like, what? What is? Mm -hmm. Is it just a lot of things, or is it as you said earlier? Is it just the fact that they have no idea what receivers are going to be good, so they take thirty-five of them every year, and then so you look back <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. how do they miss? Well, they had no idea it was going to be good. They just threw more darts at that position because they d really don't know. So, is this random, or are there a trend you see? I mean, I don't think it's random, but I think that there's just so many variables that come into it that it's very tough to. Um, it just makes it a tough position to scout. I think, you know, there's, you got to have guys that are supremely confident. That's why you have so many like divas at the receiver yeah. position. I feel like it's, you have to have supreme confidence, athleticism, you know, you have to have the mental part down, the physical part down. Um, and it's hard to, it's hard to project some guys from, from college schemes into the NFL schemes. And so I think there's just a lot of variables that go into it. I don't know. I don't know why so many guys miss. Honestly, it seems like it should be easier, but it's not. 
you mentioned two things I want to hit on. The mental aspect is really hard because mentally, or at least the, the mentality for a receiver is a lot closer to basketball players than football because football is a lot more about sacrifice, like especially offensive line, right? Like it's the only position where your job is to protect your teammates in all sports. But basketball, you need the ball. That's kind of the point. And then in foot receivers, you literally need someone else to give you the ball to do your job. Like you <laughs> right, want to get right. money, you want to get a contract, you want to get drafted. You, it's like me, me, me. You have to call yourself out. And so that's number one. It's just kind of different than the rest of the sport. And I think it makes it harder. And then number two, is it, I think you mentioned there's so many variables. I just can't get over it. It must be so difficult to scout because you also have to understand the context of the quarterback and the entire offense because it's so dependent. Their production, yep. their numbers are kind of irrelevant unless you understand the context of an entire offense. And how the hell are you supposed to understand 35 different offenses from college football <laughs> every year as they evolve with different coaches and quarterbacks and schemes? I think that I think, a, yeah, like to that point, I think a good sort of hypothetical is would Justin Jefferson have been Justin Jefferson if he would have played for the Eagles last year? The Eagles who had a completely sort of dysfunctional offense. The, the quarterback situation obviously was a mess. You know, I think you could make the argument that Jefferson still would have been really good. But at the same time, it would not be surprising if in an alternate universe, he was just like another pretty good rookie instead of being a great all-time rookie, if, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I think... I think, and I and I still have some faith that uh, Jalen Rager, who was picked instead of Justin Jefferson at that spot, that he'll end up being a good player. He, now he had some injuries to to go with the overall just dysfunctionalness of that offense. And so, um, yeah, I think that there's just a lot that goes into it. You know, landing spot is key. Quarterback is key. Finding a guy or finding a scheme that like really exploits all your best attributes. All those things matter. And it's like, you know, going back to the DK Metcalf thing, like, I've told you this before many times. DK Metcalf, I don't think, would have been as big of a star if he didn't if he didn't play with Russell Wilson in that offense. Yeah, it's like perfect for for him. It's like the perfect offense for his skill set. Go deep, make big plays on the ball, run after the catch. Like that's the Seahawks offense gives him the opportunities to do that. And if he would have been asked to go and play in, you know, say an offense that was very much uh, about timing and quick passing and short routes and getting open with your routes and all that stuff. Like he probably would have sucked or he probably would have struggled at least, at least early on in his career. If you're asking him to do all that stuff and said, the CX were like, Hey, go, you know, run a drag, drag race, deep route down the sideline and beat the guy in front of you. And we'll throw it to you. I, I think that, that you're exactly right. And like the, the poster boy for all of this poster man is Devonta Adams. who we both had at number one on the list of miss of like the best value draft picks. But the reality is, we're pitting him at number one for what he's done, but you even two years into his career in Green Bay, you had Packers fans wanted them to cut him because he was yeah, dropping they everything. Was they bust. thought he didn't have hands, thought he couldn't get open. Isn't that crazy? And now it's, it's like so crazy. It yeah. took three, four years of offseason work with Aaron Rodgers. And now it's like he's been a top three receiver in the NFL for three or four years now, but it took so long to get there. And it's like, is Devontae Adams even a top 10 receiver? Is he even a 25 top receiver? If he's on one of the other 16 teams in the league, never mind if they go through a quarterback change, he might have gotten yeah. cut if they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. And so I think you're right. Like it's 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 so it's literally one of the most dependent positions in the entire sport because you need everything else to be ch to be chumming along, humming along. Yeah, chumming, yeah. chumming yeah. along is very I, different. <laughs> I think I you know to that point, it's it's just so fascinating. I think the draft that's what makes the draft so fascinating is. Um, there's just so much that goes into landing spot and 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 situation that you, you kind of like you can like dunk on people for missing on their draft like analysis. But at the same time, like they're not we're not able to predict like where these guys are going to go where and, and if it ends up being like the perfect scenario, like that's just going to change. It changes the evaluation almost. You know what I mean? So um, the draft is great. I love this. Receivers are, are a lot of fun just because, like I said, the, it, there's so much variation, you know. Um, take it back to John Ross. Like, I don't know why John Ross didn't pan out. Heifetz, what's going on with that guy? Was well, the Bengals. So what you're saying here, he this gets, is the... This he is, gets, Heifetz gets mad at me for bringing up John Ross constantly. <laughs> well, I think John Ross, the Bengal, and the Bengals didn't hurt. But to your point, I think what you're saying is it's not that the Eagles drafted the wrong receivers. It's that any receiver the Eagles would have drafted would have been bad. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, you could make that argument. I don't know if that's true. It might get me fired at the ringer. Too many we can't replay here. that, you know, but um, yeah, I think that's I think that's somewhat true or at least could be true. OK, that's all we got. That's the big board. That was fun. I can't believe how close our list was. <laughs> at first. Yeah, that was a little ridiculous. I'm glad we didn't go eight, nine, 10 for 10. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Isaiah and Arjuna behind the virtual glass on the Zoom, whatever. <laughs> you can check us out also here every Friday for the big board show through the draft. We're also on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Subscribe to us on Spotify. We do that with Craig Horlbeck on Wednesdays. And then on this feed, on the Ringer NFL Show on Tuesdays, it's Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati. You can check them out. Thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs>